Shalom everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal, ancestral, biblical, and beautiful Judean hills. Today I am speaking with Rabbi Eli Michel. He is both the editor of the Hamizrahi magazine, really the only leading religious Zionist magazine put out there for, for the religious Zionist public all over the world, published and spread out to communities all over the world, as well as the head of content at Israel 365. I wanted to speak with Rabbi Eli Michel because uh, besides being the editor of a very important magazine and constantly putting out good editorial content, good religious, Zionist, Israel-oriented content for the Jewish world, um, he wrote a very interesting editorial a few weeks ago, which he titled, Would This Sermon Make You Angry? As a former pulpit rabbi, right? Which congregation were you the pulpit rabbi? Is that okay to say? Sure. Congregation, Suburban Torah, and Livingston, New Jersey. Livingston, New Jersey, right? So he is an experienced pulpit rabbi, uh, and a pulpit rabbi who left his pulpit to come with his family back home and make Aliyah, really ascend and come back home. Um, and this is an article which I'll let you, I'll let Rabbi Michelle explain it, but it raised my eyebrows because it was his call out to fellow rabbis, fellow pulpit rabbis in the Jewish world, the religious world, saying, what are you doing to help arouse the excitement within your communities to return home? Like, you're living in America, life is good, but our home is really in Israel. What are you, pulpit rabbi, doing to prepare? So, why did you write the editorial, Rabbi Michel? Well, it really came from a very personal place. Uh, I understand why it is that a lot of rabbis don't speak about Aliyah. They don't speak about moving to Israel, even though they love Israel. Why? And, and they're religious Zionist rabbis. They believe in the importance of Israel. Because having been there, I understand the challenge. When, when you are... Right, in a community outside of the land of Israel. First of all, there's a lot going on uh, in your own community. And having this, I guess, hover above you, this idea that maybe everything that we're doing isn't really all that important or isn't as significant as being part of the national story of the Jewish people it can be a little bit uncomfortable to think about. But beyond that, I think there's a, there's a very personal issue, which is that the rabbi feel, can feel very uncomfortable standing up in front of his congregation and talking about the importance of moving to Israel when he himself is not living it. Mm, it's a conundrum. Know, yeah, it's a conundrum. Um, now, I did speak about Israel all the time. I was known as the crazy religious Zionist rabbi in my whole area. I was the Mr. Israel guy. But even for me, at times it felt a little bit challenging pushing Aliyah, right, really in, in a way, more than just celebrating the occasional young person who would pick up and move, but to go to the next level and to regularly talk about its importance, right, is it's an uncomfortable thing to do when you yourself are not living it. And that's what I was really struggling with. And it's only when we moved here over this past year that I realized that I had the entirely wrong perspective, that I was looking at it the wrong way, that there's no reason for a rabbi to feel hypocritical or feel guilty for not himself living it, right? It's important to, to look at ourselves in a very different way, which is that we are all shlichim. We are, every one of us is, is a messenger from God. Every one of us is a messenger on behalf of the Jewish people. And right. certainly every rabbi right. must see himself that way. Instead of feeling guilty and feeling hypocritical and avoiding the topic, 
What if you viewed yourself as a shaliach, as a messenger for, for the people and the land and the state of Israel? And getting up there in front of your congregation and saying what needs to be said, which is that we don't really have a long-term future here in exile. This is not really where Jews belong. Um, it's something that I think many, many Jews really know deep down in their hearts, but prefer not to think about. So you, you threw out there to be part of the national story, returning home, a Jew, whether a rabbi or not, coming back home to the ancestral homeland of Jewish Israel, is really being part of the national story. What does that mean to be part of the national story? And why is it so hard for so many of our fellow Jews, friends and family even, and, and fellow pulpit rabbis, for them to internalize the importance of being part of that national story and not jumping at it? The communities now in exile uh, are really following a model that has existed for a few thousand years. When we were exiled from the land of Israel a few thousand years ago, we slowly, over time, over the course of generations, lost our sense of being a nation, of being a people. Uh, and slowly, we became merely a religion. But Judaism was never just a religion. It was always a combination of nation and, and the Torah, right? Nationhood and religion together, all wrapped up together. And so without our nationhood, broken up into small communities scattered as a minority all over the diaspora, for all those generations, for these last few thousand years, we lived a very incomplete form of Judaism because Judaism, unlike the other religions, can't be practiced properly outside of the land. We're, we are meant to be God's chosen nation living in the land uh, and in a sense, God's officer corps of his army for the world, right? We're meant to train the rest of humanity in serving God. And we can only do that when we're together as a nation in the land. And so we lost that sense of nationhood. Um, now, thank God in the 1800s, really beginning in the 1800s in a very practical way. And over these last 150 plus years or so, the, the course of events have shifted dramatically. Yeah. We regained our consciousness as a nation. And what it means to be a Jew today is radically different than what it meant to be 150 years ago. But so many of the communities of the diaspora are continuing to operate on this old and really broken model. Now, when we had no other choice, right, Jews, each, you know, each community focusing on itself, trying to take care of each other, it's all very beautiful in a small sort of way, but that's not really what Judaism was meant to be. Right. Um, now, there are many wonderful things about communities, you know, in the diaspora in America. They do a very good job of taking care of each other. Right. When you're a minority standing up to a majority culture that doesn't necessarily agree with what you believe in, you've got to be strong and you've got to draw together. But it's in, in many ways, it's a defensive posture. Um, and it's and it's really a small, broken version of Judaism. It's not the way that it's meant to be. We we have always longed and yearned to return to nationhood. Now, now that we've returned to nationhood, it seems strange and uncomfortable to be continuing in this old model, this broken model uh, that was really not meant to be. And so that's where we find ourselves today. Today, there are some very beautiful aspects to the diaspora communities. It's what kept us going for thousands of right. years, right. but it's almost like it's frozen in time. And you know, and these communities, it's so critical that the rabbis stand up and remind everyone that this is not all there is, right? I think uh, 
there was a song once in the 50s, right? Is that all there is? There's got to be more than that, mm -hmm. right? Judaism is not merely meant to be a personal experience where, you know, I get up, I do my prayers every day and, and I do my Torah study, right? I do my dafyomi perhaps, right? And, uh, and then I earn myself a nice little portion in the next world, you know, a brick house with two cats in the yard, used to be so hard, right? That's not what Judaism is all about, that I should be a nice person, a good person, help out in my community, be kind to other people, study the Torah and pray, and then I earn myself a nice portion in heaven. That's actually heresy. That, wow, is, not, that is not what we believe. That's a selfish form of Judaism. There are many beautiful aspects to that. It's made up of many beautiful pieces. And of course, all of those are pieces of what Judaism is meant right. to be. Right. But the the yearning of a Jew is very must it's very clear that it must be right to bring God's glory to the world. Right? We're not worried about our own personal portion in the next world, right? right. If that's the case, I could do that anywhere in the world. I can do right. that in the diaspora. But if our goal is, as Judaism's goal has always been, is to bring the light of God to all of humanity all over the world, right? The only way to do that is by returning to our land and fulfilling our mission as a nation. Right. Yeah, I just gave the Dvar Torah this Shabbat um, in connection to Noach and, and Lech Lecha saying, God chose the Jewish people and he gave us the Torah in order to live in the land of Israel. And it's with these three components we fulfill ourselves and maximize our identity as individual Jews, as part of the Jewish people as a whole. And that is exactly what you're referring to, which not enough of our schools, uh, even in Israel, forget about the, in, in the exile, and not enough synagogues or families reinforce those messages in order to inspire each and every Jew, regardless of how age, young or old, to take his Jewish identity, one, to the higher level and to the true level that we're supposed to do, which is, again, only maximized here in the land of Israel. So then what was your message to these rabbis in this editorial? Would this sermon make you angry? You you put together a sermon, which was basically an action plan. So do you mind summing that up for everyone? And then everyone, I do suggest everyone to then get the Hamizrahi magazine. If you do not get this magazine in your community, in your synagogue, who do they contact to get a copy? Be in touch with me. Reach out to Rabbi Michel himself to get this wonderful magazine a quarterly, I think, or every every holiday ten season. Ten, ten, ten times. Ten times. Wow, ten times a year magazine. Get it, and you'll be able to, in addition to reading his editorials, all the other fabulous articles. So can you sum up what, what you wrote in your, in your editorial for, for, for pulpit rabbis, in essence? Sure. Uh, message number one is stop. Stop feeling guilty. Stop feeling hypocritical. I'm not here. None of us should be coming to judge any individual person. So why, why are you not here in the land of Israel yet? Everybody has their own individual timeline. We all have our individual obligations. Some people have elderly parents. Some people struggling with make a living. God forbid. It's not for anyone to sit and to judge people individually for not coming to the land of Israel right now. Right there, God willing, everyone will get here in their time. But what we can demand and what every rabbi must demand of his community is to know that, right, this is the goal. This is where we must be. This is where every Jew, right? We can't just be that we're, we're standing and facing towards Jerusalem, but our mind and our hearts are elsewhere, right? And we're thinking about building our house 
in Lakewood or in Teaneck or in LA or Chicago and, oh, I'm going to put out an extension of my house. That can't be. Our hearts have to be directed to Jerusalem. We have to know that this is really where every Jew belongs. So it's so on the one hand, don't feel guilty, right? Don't, don't beat yourself up and feel hypocritical and therefore be silent. Rather, recognize that you have been gifted, right? And, and given a tremendously important opportunity, right? To, to have an impact upon your community. Stand up and say it proudly and with joy, right? Where we are headed, right? That we are living now in unbelievable times, in redemptive times. What our great-grandparents would have done for our opportunity. How fortunate we are to be living now when the Jewish people have a state we can defend ourselves. It may not be perfect. There's more that we want, but to never for a moment stop appreciating that and that we, right, we, we can't give up on this opportunity. We can't, right, through, simply through habit, or because we're busy, right? Stop thinking about where it is that we truly belong. But to do so in a way of joy and right in a way of encouragement, not God forbid, in a negative way. It never works, right? Don't uh, we don't have to beat ourselves up, and we don't have to beat up other people. But rather, our job is to inspire, and that really is what this magazine is all about, right? We will not accept angry diatribes against the Jews of the diaspora. It's it's unfair, and it doesn't work, right? That's not the way. The way is, uh, truthfully, is Elkanah, the husband of Hannah. We read about him in the Bible. Uh, Elkanah, when he was in, trying to encourage people to go up to the tabernacle, to the Mishkan, right? he didn't yell at people, God forbid. He went through different towns. Each time he went to the Mishkan, he stopped in a different town and he smiled at people. They asked him, oh, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the Mishkan. Why don't you come with me? Mm -hmm. So all, who, all of us who are living now in Israel, Right? Instead of being negative and criticizing, rather let's talk about you know, how wonderful it is here. Inspire. Inspire. It's not easy. Life isn't easy. But there's so much here that is just so unbelievable. Um, it's so incredible to be a part of the story of the nation, being yeah. a part of something so much greater than ourselves. Let's share that with others in a happy and joyous way. And you raise a very good point because a lot of time people... Um... People have good reasons. They have, they have good excuses why they're not planning to come home to Israel. And a lot of them is, this is a problem in Israel, and that's a problem in Israel, and, and, and this is an issue, and that's an issue, and this is an issue. The way I deal with it is I always tell everyone, folks, understand, we were chosen to be Jews in order to be part of this project, to develop our homeland, to be a shining light into the nations. It's not going to be like that in the shining on, on, on a silver platter. And it's a work in progress. And you're going to be part of the historical miracle of making that work in progress better by being here. That's our purpose. It's not supposed to be perfect. And yes, there are going to be challenging things and bad things or things we wish were different. But you can make the difference being here. That That, that is our purpose. And, and not just sitting on the sideline watching the rest of us be part of this story and, and, and be part of this amazing, miraculous project. I think an important point here is the tension in Judaism, not really a tension, but it only seems like a tension between the details of being a Jew and the big picture. Mm. Uh, and, you know, all too often in the Orthodox community in particular, we hone in on the details, but we fail to see how all of those pieces are meant to come together into something far greater than ourselves. And I think it's critically important, we, uh, both for adults, for teens, we need to be learning what I would call the Torah of, of Israel 
but even more specifically, the Torah of Klaliyut, the Torah of the nation, of, of, of which is greater than ourselves, the Torah that ties all the different pieces together. There's so many classic, important works of Jewish thought, right? From Rabbi Yehuda Halevi's Kuzari, written 900 plus years ago, uh, all the way to today, the, obviously the books of Rabbi Cook and so many others, uh, which show the big picture, show how all of these different details and, and beautiful details, all these different individual mitzvot fit together into something so much larger. Um, and why is that so important? Because if you're only focused on the details, well, maybe I could do this detail better in America, or I could do this detail better over there. What's better for me individually? If that's your right. whole focus, well, sometimes it is easier Right. to be in the diaspora. That's what you know. It's hard when you come to Israel, you're an immigrant, right? right. Everything's new. You know, and everything's new and you'll be an immigrant until the day you die. Right? That's just the way it is, right? So hopefully your children and grandchildren will, will feel even more comfortable and more at home, but it's a sacrifice. So if you're only thinking about yourself individually or the details, well, there are many reasons not to come. But if you're thinking about the nation and the larger purpose of why we've been put in this world, well, then... Right then, it makes a lot more sense, right? right? Then you then you're coming and you're fulfilling your whole life's mission right. because we're we're part of something so much greater, right. bringing God's glory to the world. Amen. That's what we're here for. Amen. And going back to your editorial, if I'm not mistaken, you actually put like a plan of action for each and every pulpit rabbi because you dealt with the issue like, okay, you're trying to inspire your community to move to Israel and make Aliyah, even though you're you you are not doing that yourself. And you said, okay, this is how we deal with it. You announce to your community and get them involved in your plan. Like, yes, we're here right now, me and my wife and my family, I'm the pulpit rabbi in your synagogue right now. But in five years time, we're going to be moving to Israel. And now you're involving the community in this excitement and you're planning together with them. So hopefully they'll be excited in taking part, whether they also join you with a five-year plan or they make a 10-year plan or a 15-year plan, but at least they have that plan. So can you expand upon that as well? It has to be part of the conversation, and we shouldn't be hiding it. Uh, I remember when I was trying out to be the rabbi of, of Suburban Torah in Livingston, you know, that somebody asked me, you know, how do we know that you're not going to leave in a few years to go to a larger congregation? Right? Livingston is wonderful, but there are bigger places. Right. So I said, you don't have to worry about that with me, because if I do leave, right, I'll be leaving for Israel. Okay. Right. And and I never hid that. Right. And, and uh, you know, it's our job. I think it's the rabbi's job, right, to, to have this out in conversation. This should be something that we talk about. What we talk about ultimately becomes can become real, become realistic. If we avoid the topic, then all of the fears, there's so much fear in, in picking up and uprooting your life and moving across the world, even if you know many other people that have done it. Uh, there's so much fear. Fear can only be overcome over time by speaking about it. So number one, by laying the issue out on the table, we don't really belong here, right? We love America, right? We're thankful for all the wonderful things that America has done. America is the greatest exile we have ever experienced. With all the problems today, and there's plenty of anti-Semitism, there is, right? We, the Jewish people owe a great debt of gratitude to America, but we don't have a future in America, right? This is not where we're meant to be. It's a temporary measure. Um, by, by talking out the issue in this way, by being open and honest about it, and then, as you were just saying before, talking about plans and how we can, you know, how this is possible, what people can do, bringing in speakers from Israel who talk talk about their story and how they made it work and how they ended up working in a completely different area than they thought, but they're actually very happy and they love it. And it gave them a whole new start to their career. Um, 
by making it tangible and by making it real, that is step number one. Uh, but there's another step, and that is what I what I mentioned before, which is to begin to study and to teach the Torah of the nation. Uh, we cannot only be teaching laws. We cannot only be teaching the details of how a Jew is meant to act in shul or how to put on tefillin or, or how to keep Shabbat. Those are all wonderful, important details and building blocks of Judaism. But we have to get comfortable studying ourselves. And I'm talking about rabbis now. Rabbis need to study this Torah and they need to teach it to their communities, the Torah of nationhood, what we are here to accomplish, not to be satisfied with a small Judaism where we do our, you know, all of us do our part, we earn our reward and we go to heaven and everybody's happy. That's not what we're here for. The Jewish people have been called upon by God to do something far, far greater. No, amazing. That's a very, very good point. And that really is, here in Israel, it's called Torah Eretz Yisrael, right? The Torah of the land of Israel. And unfortunately, it's really only taught in Israel and in Israeli educational institutions. It's not that type of learning. Torah is not taught or learned even by many of the rabbis in uh, in, in the communities in the exile in, in America. And uh, and the one of the wonderful things about the gap year programs, the year in Israel programs, is that these kids, depending upon where they're studying, get get a taste, get a taste of that. Nation, national Torah learning, Torah Eretz Israel learning, um, and set, then some of them then have what's their appetite for more. Doesn't happen to all of them. They don't all go to the institutions that teach that type of Torah, and they're not necessarily inspired. If even if they go back to their families back uh, in America or around the world, but that Torah is very much embedded here. And you have a generation of young Jews not all religious, but a generation of young Jews who are growing up with this connection to their national identity, to the people and aspect, which is really only felt and maximized here in the homeland. And as a as someone who experienced it, because I grew up making Ali at 16 years old and watching my own children, like after growing up as a teenager in America first, but then watching my own children grow up as proud Jews growing up in their natural habitat, surrounded by this land of Israel, Torah, in addition to the detailed Torah. Uh, it's just amazing and obviously so blessed, but it's amazing to witness. It is, and I'm seeing it now with my own kids as well. And they're kids, right? The kids don't necessarily have a very, very clear vision of all of this, and they wouldn't necessarily be able to write it all down in a very clear paragraph or two, Terms of what they believe, but simply the experience that they're having, being here, being part of the nation, uh, a part of the difficult challenges of being here, right? The, the tough news that we often hear, um, and at the same time, just the joyous celebrations of being surrounded by Sukkot everywhere you go. These things are they, they seep into your children. They become part of their self consciousness, right. and eventually they'll get to the point of maturity where they'll be able to put all those pieces together in a coherent way. But I can already see it, and I'm watching it slowly over time, month by month, after, since we've made Aliyah, seeing that impact on our children. It's really it's really extraordinary. When you're here and living it in the nation, right. and Sheirut Leumi, or National, National Service, service. Right. you know, service in the army, even if they themselves are not doing those things right now, but it's part of the conversation, right. the idea that every one of us owes an obligation to the Jewish people. Right? That's not something that you get in the diaspora. Uh, and that's a, a major, major challenge. I wrote a different article about this 
Actually. Oh, I missed that one. I'll have to read it. I uh, wrote a different article about this, which is, you know, why do we find that here in Israel, there's so much self-sacrifice, particularly in the religious Zionist community, the amount of sacrifice that young people are doing all the time. Everybody's living in Judea and Samaria and, and starting new settlements, serving in the army. Hezder, right, is a, which is a, it's a five-year program. They give over five years of their life right. to studying Torah and the army. Um, you have all of these what's called Garinim Toranim. You have Jews who are going into secular cities and 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 trying to teach their fellow Jews about Torah and Jewish tradition. I mean, there's so much sacrifice that's going on here. And then when you go to America, there's a shortage of religious teachers. They can't find enough young people who want to be teaching in the Jewish schools, who want to be rabbis in small communities. And why is that? Why are they not sacrificing in the same way uh, outside of Israel? Why can't they find enough people that have to bring in people from Israel to teach in all of these schools? Right. Um, and I think the difference is, is that here, you know, religious Zionism, it's in the air, uh, but it's also religious Zionism is a philosophy that emphasizes the nation. Right. right and redemption and that we are part of something so much greater than ourselves it's a powerful movement whereas outside of israel there, there simply isn't that kind of attitude uh which is what calls calls for self-sacrifice right? right it's it's a it's much more of the the me generation it's about my own career and getting a degree in the right getting the right degree from the right place and, and right. Building... when you're a junior or senior in high school you are you you are told to own, basically only be laser focused on doing the best you can in order to get into the the, the best universities that you can. That's the, and and that best universities to get the best career in order to make a lot of money and pay for the Jewish education. I mean, it's all it's a whole thing. As opposed to people don't understand when you're 16 or 17 or 18 years old here in this country, you're thinking about what national service am I going to do. What yeshiva program am I going to study in? What army unit do I want to serve in in order to be part of that national experience? You're, 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 essentially, you're essentially forced here to put your life on hold, your own personal ambitions right, on, personal on ambitions. hold, and, and to dedicate your life to something far greater, greater. than yourself. Right. Now, looking at it you know, in a purely economic, well, you gave up, you lost all of these years, and that's the wrong perspective, right? Wrong perspective. The deeper perspective is that it transforms the younger people here, creates generations of people who understand that their life is about something much more than them, right. more than themselves. And uh, you know that's a major, major difference. That added, you don't find that attitude outside of Israel in the same way. That being said, there are many, many more young people from the diaspora who are choosing to stay here yes. in Israel. And, and many of them, the truth is the majority of them cite as their main reason is that they feel that they owe something to their people, that they have to give back, whether it's serving in the army or in national, national service, service, they feel that they have to give that back. And that's uh, to their credit, that even though they didn't necessarily grow up with that attitude, uh, they absorbed it. They came maybe for a year of study, they absorbed it, and they've dedicated their lives to doing that, so right. to their credit. So there's there's hope for all the Jewish people. We have it. We all have it deep within us. Um, but it, we just have to help draw it out. Right. And uh, that's true when when young people come from the diaspora here to study, but it's also true of the rabbis throughout the diaspora and all of the educators. Right? We, we need them to stand up without feeling bad, without feeling guilty, without feeling hypocritical, to proudly stand for the Jewish people and for something far greater. Right. Rabbi Eli Michel, it is such a pleasure uh, speaking to you specifically about this topic, but uh, in general speaking to you. I hope many Jewish educators and rabbis 
read your article, read your editorial, inspired by it, and are starting to, to take some of those uh, ideas and concepts and put them into action, if not the whole thing. And uh, for all of you listeners and viewers, I hope you are as well inspired by these very important words that Rabbi Michelle was telling us. And for all the Jews watching, I hope your appetite is wet to be part of this Jewish story, the miraculous Jewish story and the national aspect of that, of our identities and of your personal lives that are not being yet fulfilled because you're not yet here together with us in our ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, which each and every day is a living miracle that, that we exist. And you can be part of the miracle and part of that, that project in making it even better day by day. Rabbi Ali Michel, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's a joy to be on. It is a pleasure. A pleasure. And signing off for another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal, ancestral, biblical, and beautiful Judean hills. Thanks for watching, everyone. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.